welcome to We Are The Queen podcast. I am your host, Sarah, and I have my co-host, April, with me as well. Hello, April. Hello. <laughs> well, thank you for coming back for our second episode. Woo! Woo! Number two! <laughs> no, we're on number two. We survived putting out episode one out into the world, and you guys are listening to it, and it's very exciting, and we appreciate it. Today, we are going to be tackling more of a, a topic this time. Last time was just like our introduction. We talked about ourselves. So today we want to kind of dive right into some mental health, some self-care, um, and just kind of have a great conversation. So April, with that, I wanted to just check in with you and see how you're doing. Oh, where to begin? Um, it's a loaded question. <laughs> it is a very loaded question, especially in the times that we're in. This week, I was exhausted. I got the first vaccine this past Friday, which is great and wonderful. I only had a sore arm. And then the rest of the week, I was so drained. By 10 a.m., I was ready for a nap almost every day. And then... The province I live in, they just announced yesterday that pretty much they're shutting everything down again with the exception of schools, even though transmission cases are now happening in schools. Weird. Um, I try not to criticize leadership decisions because I don't want to be in their position, but at the same time, they've sat on vaccines for months and now are slowly introducing it. Like if you had introduced this sooner, we would not have the third wave. Um, two days ago, it was around 350 cases in one day. And then it jumped to 500 yesterday, which in yeah. a rural province. It's a lot. It's a lot. And it's a little terrifying. And yeah, that's just kind of how I'm feeling right now. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. So frustrating. Also PSA for everybody listening, please get vaccinated. If you're eligible, if you're able to get vaccinated. Yeah. Gosh. I mean, at least down here in the U S it seems to be open to everyone who wants to get it. And it, for my area, it's extremely easy to get it. They have like walk-in appointments everywhere because they have more vaccines than people willing to get vaccinated. <laughs> so um, supply is really good. So I'm hoping April, but for you, it'll start opening up even more, especially if they're seeing that cases are going up. I would hope that, gosh, yeah. Prime Minister Trudeau, get your act together. <laughs> Trudeau. Get those vaccines. Premier of the province that I live in, please, for the love of God. Yeah. And my poor husband, he's just, he's not vaccinated yet. And our the little town we live in has been hit hard now. There's a man our, in our age group who's currently dying of this. And that's really scary. It's very scary because he had no pre existing condition that he knew about. So here we Stay are. Stay safe, everybody. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Well, we started on a heavy topic, but I think that was important <laughs> to go over. How are you doing, Sarah? <laughs> I'm doing fine. I will actually like loop back. I'm looking at our outline listeners and I realized I missed something. So I'm going to loop back to how I'm doing because that leads into our topic. 
for the week. So I just wanted to remind people that we do have that. I did mention we have an introduction episode was our first one that we released. And so we go over who we are. So if you're just now tuning into us on the second episode, you can feel free to go back and listen to us uh, introduce the podcast, why we named it We Are the Queen. There's a story behind that. And also that April and I are cousins. So that's how April and I know each other. And we are talking to each other through the wonderful technology of video chat. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Um, because as you heard, we live in different countries. <laughs> <Can't>, <laughs> April lives in Canada and I live down in the States. April, I also wanted to ask as a more light topic, what have you been watching recently? Oh gosh, I... I'm almost caught up on all of Superstore. I highly recommend it if... Oh yeah, I haven't watched it yet. If you enjoyed The Office, you will enjoy Superstore. It's run by the same, one of the producers of The Office, and it's really good. And for those who worked in retail, you will relate to (laughs) the show. I will appreciate the humor. (laughs) Good. Um, Let's see. I also love watching RuPaul's Drag Race because the creativity, the artistry, the little bits of drama here and there, I I have been enjoying it. It's been a nice break from the current state of affairs. And oh my gosh. I, I'll have to watch that too. Is that on Netflix? Yes. Oh, yes. okay, cool. Um, and I've introduced my husband to The Godfather. So we started watching part two last night and then we were an hour and in. we're like, we need to switch back to RuPaul because this is <laughs> You can't end serious. the night with go- the Godfather. <laughs> we're the same way. It's like, okay, we have to stop watching like an intense movie or show early enough so we can decompress. Like you can't just like, all right, we're done with the day. <laughs> go to bed exactly. with all of that in your brain still. Yeah. What about you? What have you been watching lately? Oh gosh. Well, I um I told you a little bit about this just personally, but I started watching the show Amend on Netflix. I was going to look up because there's like a little subtitle. Um but Will Smith is like the main host of it and it's super interesting. They dissect the 14th amendment and racism and like the civil war and reconstruction it's extremely interesting and there are so many famous people involved in it and they like read excerpts from you know different uh people from uh history during those times so um like pedro pascal is in it and i'm like oh my gosh pedro (laughs) and will smith of course is great um so it's called amend the fight for america it just came out this year on netflix it's it's amazing it is a heavier topic of course so i've been watching it like one episode like during the daytime um like you know, when I'm eating lunch or or doing something around the house um, so I can listen to it. And um, it's a great history lesson. There's a lot um, that happened during that time that I didn't realize. And just with everything going on in the world, and I'm just trying to, you know, educate myself. And I love history as well. So any like history buffs, or if you're just trying to learn more about the history of America, it's um, incredibly good. So yeah, I highly recommend that. 
It's on Netflix. Okay, yeah, sweet. it's a Netflix original. Yes. Nice. And then on a more, <laughs> it's not even, a, I was going to say a lighter note, but Justin and I have been watching Hoarders <laughs> on Netflix. <laughs> It's fascinating from like a psychological standpoint Mm -hmm. and it makes us very thankful for how clean our house is. (laughs) Oh, it's, it's interesting because it definitely, it, 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 you know, like it's interesting to see that, you know, the people living in those types of situations can't even see the danger of living in that way or like the unsanitary conditions because they're so focused on their stuff and how important those things are to them even if it is complete trash to other people like it's very important so that's been what we've been doing I also wonder if for hoarders if it's also like a the trauma response to the great depression and then it's passed on uh, almost biologically Oh yeah. Um, They definitely try to like uncover some of their, you know, what, what has, what was their life like before they were, you know, hoarding what might have happened to trigger it or, you know, make it worse. So it's really interesting. They have a, a psychiatrist that is there during the clean out process. And so I've been really appreciating watching that um, person. I can't remember his name. There's, there's a, depending on the episode and depending, I think probably on where in the country they are, they have a different psychiatrist, but there's been this one guy that's been on there for two episodes now. And he's amazing. He's super empathetic. He really tries to validate their feelings and validates that this is a really hard process to have their house cleaned out. And there, these people are on this show to get their house cleaned out because most of them are facing like evictions or, you know, their house is, you know, not to code anymore. There's, you know, like dangerous things. So I really appreciate watching uh, the psychiatrist part of it, you know, so I'm like mm-hmm. imagining myself as a future counselor and I'm like, oh yeah, how would I approach this? And how would I, you know, try to put myself in this person's shoes um, and try to be there for them during a really difficult time. And I actually used uh, RuPaul's Drag Race as a tool for a very similar purpose where, you know, I know as a counselor, I'm going to have various people from various different kinds of background and I want to understand how uh, some gay people feel about their upbringing or their experiences and how do I validate them in their situation Um, so yeah I can understand using hoarders as an example of how do we approach such things in an empathetic manner yeah absolutely and then Speaking, well, you were talking about RuPaul, so that made me think of Queer Eye. Yeah. We just we just finished rewatching all five seasons of Queer Eye. Same thing for me. Like I I really like hearing the stories, especially of people from different backgrounds and how that's, you know, how their different life experiences have impacted them and watch them, you know, go through some transformation learn how to love themselves and take care of themselves in a better way and they are filming season six in texas right now 
I am so excited. If anyone from Queer Eye listens to our podcast in the future, <laughs> we love you so much. Please yes. come to the Pacific Northwest. We need you here too. And <laughs> <laughs> call me anytime. Um, yes. Yeah, so we just finished watching Queer Eye. And then our next show that we're going to start watching is we're going to go back and watch some Doctor Who. Ooh. We're Doctor Who fans in this house. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating i need to get back into that i fully watched the ninth doctor before david tennant oh david tennant's good he's amazing and i've had no time he's in everything i know he's amazing <laughs> in everything i love his podcast too <laughs> <laughs> listen to all the podcasts all of them yes oh my gosh. we are watching the matt smith episodes which he's oh. the doctor after david mm -hmm. tennant ooh, and he's super good <laughs> so good we're enjoying that okay well we talked a lot about tv Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk like episodes on episodes on episodes <laughs> of shows that we like to watch we're big into tv so yeah okay so i'm gonna come back to how things have been going for me, April. Go for it. How are things? How are things? Actually, things are pretty amazing for me right now. It's very different because I've been going through a lot of changes. And that's really what we want to tackle in this episode is life change, burnout, self-care. How do you come back from burnout or prevent burnout entirely? Um, I mentioned in the first episode that I decided to go back to school. I'm going to get my master's degree in clinical mental health counseling. And April, you also are currently back in school too. So we share in this, you know, big life change that's happening. And as, as part of my decision to go back to school, it really came down to the fact that you know, I really liked the place I was working for. I was there for four years and I worked with really great people. The agency was fantastic, but the work itself, the actual job tasks that I was doing, the um, clients I was having to interact with on a day-to-day -day basis, really challenging my patience and my energy level and I got to a point where I was just done. I was just emotionally exhausted and tapped out. And looking back now, you know, in the moment, it, it's really hard for me to identify those little small indicators that I'm having a really hard time until it builds into this massive burnout. So when I'm in that moment, I finally kind of realized like, wow, I'm having a really hard time concentrating on work. I'm having a hard time caring about my work, which is very unlike me, April, you know. Yes, I do. <laughs> and I've been thinking about going back to school for a really long time, but I just felt like, you know, it wasn't something that I had time for, that I had money for, that... I, I didn't really feel like it was an option for me. 
until I realized that it was something that I was continually thinking about. I was thinking about it all the time. I was researching schools. I was researching programs. And I finally opened up to my husband and I said, you know, this is something that I really want. And I, this is, you know, I want to do this. I want to go back to school and, you know, through actually communicating with my husband, shocker, I know, um, through actual communication, I finally was able to make that decision to go back to school. And I made an even bigger decision to leave my job. And that is a probably a hard decision for a lot of people to leave a job, especially when you've been there for a long time or you've been taken care of. But I just came to the conclusion that in order to take care of myself, I needed to separate from that job and give myself permission to fully focus on school and just kind of change things up so that I can focus more on myself and less on other people because I'm the type of person who will go out of their I'll go out of my way to take care of other people before I'll circle back and take care of myself so I'm trying to really change that and shift into taking care of myself first well done I just my dear talked a lot so I'm gonna let April talk <laughs> <laughs> where where to begin so I moved to Canada ironically enough four years ago today we're recording this the day before Mother's Day of 2021 four years ago today we started to make our way to Canada started the drive we drove through Idaho and Montana and then getting up through the Saskatchewan Montana border at the time when Zachary accepted the position that he's in now during the current state of affairs four years ago, <laughs> you know, we both felt like, no, this is a really good move because he had no other job opportunities because no one was hiring. And so we took the risk and moved to Canada. I didn't realize <laughs> that when you're about to turn 30, it's harder to make friends in a very new it's place. So hard. <laughs> it's so difficult. So it took a long time for me to come to terms with the move. Um, I was super stressed by it. First job I had was awful beyond all recognition because it was in a group home setting. If you listen to the first episode, you kind of know my feelings about group homes. Yeah, it was just like a lot of change all at once because yeah. it's not just like you're moving to a new town, you're moving to a new country and all the stress that comes with like, you know, I remember you having to like go and track down, you know, proof of employment from oh your like really old jobs from years ago because they mm -hmm. needed that for your, you know, for your move to Canada. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you had to pack up everything, you know, like the just the logistics alone was stressful. And then there you are in a new country. You're like complaining to me about how the grocery store experience is different and like just random like daily day-to-day -day stuff. You had to completely relearn like how crazy. Well, 
to the reference of the grocery store thing, uh, our first experience grocery store or grocery shopping was you have to put a loonie, which is a dollar coin, into the cart so you can actually unlock the cart and take it inside. And we didn't know this. And so we're just standing there, (laughs) dumbasses, trying to figure out (laughs) what the heck is this? And people are just staring at us like, what the heck is your problem? And I'm just like, we just moved here two days ago. You need to be a little nicer, please. Printed like just moved to Canada from America. Please help us. (laughs) Yeah. And so, and if we look lost, we are. (laughs) And finally, eventually, like after a couple of years being in Canada, we finally had some sort of social routine. We had a small church community that we could lean on and you know, they're all very nice people. We finally made some friends and we're socializing regularly. And guess what happens? Oh yeah, the pandemic. pandemic. <laughs> and Just as soon as you figure life out, no, dang it. So yeah, it's been it's been challenging and like obviously I'm happier now. Um for another podcast episode, I would love to talk about depression and anxiety, but that's a conversation for another time. Yeah, all that goes hand in hand. Why, you know, changes in life and burnout and depression and anxiety. It's like, uh, it's a hot mess. It's a hot it's mess. A, just a ball of everything all tangled up together. So, yeah, that's that was my experience. And I, I'm having so many brain farts right now on how to describe what it was. It's hard when I was thinking about this topic, like it's something that I really wanted to cover since it's like actively happening right Mm -hmm. now, but it's very hard to explain what it feels like internally and, you know, accept the fact that like it can be caused by, you know, a lot of different things like your life change moving to Canada happened because your husband found a job and it was a great opportunity. My life change happened because I was burnt out and me, I like out of necessity had to make a change. So I think that's like the important part to like point to make is that life change can be exciting and can happen for many different reasons, but it's also extremely stressful, overwhelming, and it's extremely important to take very good care of yourself during the life change before after all of that and for more context i'm not from a war-torn country yeah. so imagine all these people coming from war-torn drug lord what have you countries and you can barely speak any english and having to come to a new country and have also having to go through uh immigration process and stuff so I just wanted to mention that I was very privileged and I yeah. can speak, I speak perfectly fine English and I was able to find a job fairly right away. Um, I think it took a month for me to find a job and I can go into another, another tangent about jobs and work and burnout and stress. And basically with my first job is that because of the sudden change in moving to another country on top of my empathetic self and the stress of working in homes with various 
uh, coworker and staff personalities, I did not last very long. I had to leave that job because I was coming home crying every day, crying myself to sleep, crying in my sleep. My poor <laughs> husband is like, jeez. my husband, uh, he's very protective of me and my mental state when I'm not protective of my mental state. Yeah. And he told me, it's okay for you to leave this position. You're going to find something else. And what was burned into my brain growing up and having various jobs and moving from job to job was that always have a job lined up before right. you quit the one you're in. You have to have a backup plan. You have to have safety, a safety net yes. to land in. Yes. Yeah. Thankfully, what I ended up doing was going to uh, an employment center that helps people with like mental and physical disabilities find a job. And I explained my predicament, if you will. Plus on top of that, I have an anxiety disorder and depression disorder. So yay for me. Yay um, for you. Check yeah. those boxes. <laughs> Check my boxes. Help me. <laughs> Help me here, please. And then that led me to having a position as a respite care worker again. So I was there for like three years. Then I moved to another respite care position that made more money. And then there was one life event that triggered the, I need to go back to school. And then, but then the pandemic started. Yeah. I was like, that's a wrench in both of our plans. (laughs) I know. It was like, oh, phooey. (laughs) Shoot. Um, It's been a very interesting journey, if you will. Yeah. You know, I always, I always get after people about it's okay for you to take care of yourself. I don't follow my own advice. I think it's important that we're both going through this experience now before we're counselors because I I mean I don't know about your classes but my first class right now is really hitting hard on please set up a self-care routine because we don't want you burning out of school and we don't want you burning out from being a counselor like now is the time to learn how to take care of yourself learn how to advocate for yourself I really appreciate that because I need that lesson. I need to hear that. And mm-hmm. um, I need to take this opportunity to uh, really learn more about myself and take care of myself so that I can be a good model for the future people that I will be counseling. You know, I I wouldn't want to go see a counselor who wasn't taking care of him or herself. You know, like, why mm-hmm. would I expect my clients to receive anything less? Exactly. So, yeah. I also, I think on this topic of life change for me, and I think April, because we were raised in a very similar way, you'll you'll probably uh, chime in on this too, is that I, because it, it took me so long to figure out that I wanted to go back to school and that I should go back to school, a lot of that was due to the fact that I have ingrained in me that You should be thankful for what you have. Be grateful for the life you've been given. Why would you make changes if you have a good job? Why would you pursue more if you're doing just fine? Um, And so that I had to get over a lot of guilt and shame I had around even considering trying something new because that might mean that I've 
failed somehow at my current career or life choices, I think that I want to just put out there that it's okay to want something else for yourself if it's Mm -hmm. just not feeling right. Or, you know, like you can want something better for yourself. You can have it just fine and dandy. Great. You can have a great job, make great money um, or whatever, but you can still be given the um, permission to want something more. You know, April and I, we don't have anybody modeled in our family life on and people who have gone to grad school even, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's hard for us to push past that and want something more. And I want to encourage people I guess, to just shoot for the stars. It's interesting because I actually had kind of the opposite where it's like, you should always strive to go for the best and just, you know, just go for it. I remember, I think it was my senior year of high school. My dad sat me down and said, you need to figure out what you want to do for the rest of your life. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. Right. Don't That's know. way too much pressure for a 17 year old. And he, he said, why don't you just go be an, you know, go for training to be a nurse. Uh, you have the personality for it. I'm like, thank you. I know I have the personality for it, but I am, I am not smart when it comes to the math and hardcore science. I'm I'm really good with people. I agree with that. And I mentioned to him that I think I want to try to be a counselor. And he said, well, April, that doesn't make any money. And I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) like the pressure of you need to make a lot of money versus do what makes you happy. Um, And that's something I've had to come to terms with in the last decade was that money is should not be the end all be all instead you should do what makes you happy yeah that it might make your life a little harder financially but I truly believe though if you're doing something that makes you happy you're going to enjoy your job more you're going to be more likely to probably pursue promotions or you know higher positions because it's something that you're really passionate in and also counselors actually do make really good money dad so (laughs) I I love you dad I love you very much and yeah I should know I'm paying a counselor so (laughs) I think she's doing just fine yeah and I think just normalizing doing what you what makes you happy and normalizing um I don't remember what I was gonna say April I was gonna say something and it was gonna be great and very profound but now it's left me so I will just farewell Sarah's thought (laughs) farewell (laughs) caffeine has not kicked in apparently Uh, yeah Um, same here where I'm just like uh (laughs) oh I think I was going to say normalize making a change if that's what you want to do Mm-hmm. And if it's going to make you happy, it's okay to want something different. Mm-hmm. And people around you are going to support you. You know, the people who really care about you are going to 
be there for you and understand why you need to make a change. I think that's what's been amazing right now for me. And something that's been very helpful for me is that the, my support group is there for me. They recognize that this is something that I really want to do. They recognize this is something I'll be very good at and they're excited for me. So, yes, yes. And my husband has been absolutely supportive and I think that was something else I was missing too for a really long time is really having that supportive foundation. Um, I think I was finally like 25 years old when I finally realized, okay, this is my group of people. They have my back no matter what. They will get after me when they need to. I remembered what I was going to (laughs) say. I was going to say, so, I mean, April, you and I were pursuing our master's degrees in, you know, we won't be done with school until our thirties. We won't have our quote unquote dream career until, you know, quote unquote later in life. You know, we didn't just graduate with our undergraduate degree and just jump right into graduate studies. We took our time. We worked in our respective career fields. And I think coming back to that, you know, being a high school senior and being asked to, well, what's your like life plan essentially? Like, I mean, some people know what they want to do. That's great. Do what makes you happy. But a lot of us, it takes a while for us to figure it out. I really just needed time to work in some different jobs, try some things out and find the direction that I want to take my life in. And, um, you know, I'm going to be able to utilize my skills and experience that I've earned and gained in the last seven years in a counseling career. And we still have a lot of life left in us. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that's what I'm trying to remind myself of is like, you know, I'll still get the chance to, be a counselor for many, many years and make a great career out of it. I I think that a lot of people think and have that stress of trying to figure things out so early in their early 20s or whatever that they get stuck mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. careers that they're not fully happy with. It's interesting looking back on my education. I graduated from high school in 2007 and I immediately jumped into community college. My mom actually tried to convince me, it's okay for you to take a break. You've worked so hard to get through high school and you've done your best. And because I really struggled in school, not only socially, but also academically. And it's not that I didn't care. It's just, I'm such a spacey individual. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what? And like when I'm really passionate about things, you will definitely know it. You'll see it in my grades, but I really struggled to pay attention to things that I couldn't connect with. So I immediately went to community college, took, it took me an extra year to get through community college, which is a two-year program because I struggled with math. I couldn't get through it. And finally the tool, the tools I have was to get through math was to have one of my closest friends be in math classes with me. And as weird as it sounds, it was almost like my competitive nature was coming <laughs> out. It's like, all right, now, now I have something to work against. I love you, Sabrina, but I'm going to beat you with my grade. 
Um, and so then I finally got through math. I had a wonderful opportunity singing in the community college choir. I went to Carnegie Hall in New York. Um, so still jealous of you, uh, April. Oh my God. Like, where I, was my New York trip? I, Thank you very much. I will take you there someday myself. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> If I was, if I didn't take that extra year, I wouldn't have had that opportunity. I wouldn't yeah. have that extra year of growth, like mentally um, and s- spiritually, I guess if you want to call it that. But then after that, I took the year off before I went to university because at that point I was, I was burned out. In you school. needed a break. Yeah. I needed that break. I need to figure out, okay, is this what I want to do? Go go to psychology because I had a psychology class in community college and I freaking loved it. I finally understood what it is that I was good at. Mm -hmm. And then I went to university, um, got the applied developmental psychology degree, and I had really awesome professors. But once again, I had to take that extra year. And it's not that I was struggling with the math class. It was that the university was like, oh, you don't have transfer credits. So you need to take the basic courses again. In which I did an English class during my second year. And then I was good to go. But then by the third year, they tried the same crap again. And I had a conniption. (laughs) I remember that. Y'all, it was something to behold. Here's another announcement for our listeners is to really advocate for yourself, especially with school and know that this kind of crap might be pulled (laughs) and know the requirements Mm -hmm. of the program. So finally I asked, I put my foot down. Like I, this is the mental growth I'm talking about being able to stick up for myself and being comfortable doing that. I still struggle with it, but if I'm right and I know I'm right, I'm going to say something. But the whole entire, I sought out the supervisor. I was like, I have an AA degree, an associate arts degree. I have the basic classes. I know I gave you the paperwork for it. What the hell is going on? Mm -hmm. And, oh, and they're just like, well, just give us the transfer credits again, and then you can graduate this year. It's like, <laughs> thank you, okay, there. thank you, well, thank you so much for doing your job. And because of that, April, we graduated the same year. I know it was meant to be. In the it stars. was meant to be. Oh my gosh, so and, funny. But because of that experience and my frustration with the university. I didn't go back for my master's, even though I probably should have. And it maybe left a very bitter taste in your mouth. Did and I also believe that it was my anxiety at play. Like, okay, you have a bachelor's, you're good. You don't have to go back. Because here's the secret, listeners. They don't really tell you when you're like signing up for your bachelor's degree. Hey, you know, in this field to get 
very many places you probably should have your master's degree. Yes. Um, you just yeah. kind of assume, at least for me, I assumed if you went to college in a certain degree, you would get a job, which I think that's how it used to be. But I mean, here we are in 2021 and the need for a master's degree, just especially in social services, in psychology, it's mm -hmm. a necessity really at this point, unless you want to be stuck in respite care like April or like me, I was stuck in case management um, to really burst out of your that bubble and, you know, be, you know, like without a master's degree, we can't open up a counseling private practice. We have to be licensed. We have to meet certain criteria. And in order to do that, you have to have a master's degree. So really research first and don't be afraid to pursue more school because if that's what's going to unlock those doors for you then that's what you do and please understand I've really enjoyed my time as a respite care provider and I probably would have done it for the rest of my life but the powers that be have determined that we are not paid a livable wage most of the time. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have benefits. And I am imploring the governments across the world, if you want respite care providers to stay, because the statistic of how many caregivers a person with disabilities go through. It's huge. It's huge. It's like yeah. it, 76 care providers in a lifetime. That's a lot. I'm sorry. That's 75 too many. <laughs> I have the same dentist. <laughs> I know. What? Like, I can't even imagine like having to like, and that's like something that I see twice a year. Like that's not someone that I see on, you know, a weekly daily basis to help me with my activities of daily living, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, no, we absolutely need people in roles like that. Um, you know, and I know people who've been in case management there. I started to feel like, well, I don't want to do this job forever. And I felt bad about it. And so I really had to work through that shame and guilt of wanting to leave. Right. And it, yeah. it's the same thing with me where it's like, I love the children that I work with. They will always have a special place in my heart. I have so much respect for the families that I've worked with, but in some instances, like I felt unsupported by administration um, and in the, some of the choices that I've made in order to provide the high level of care that every family deserves, or if, um, you know, in an instance where I, if I go into a home and I'm just like, this is not a good living situation, administration usually doesn't do anything. And yeah. I would, while I have tried my best to provide good care, enrich the children's lives, give a break to the families that need it. When I don't see accountability on that side of it, it makes it a very hard pill to swallow. And I don't want to be a part of that because then I feel like I'm enabling 
certain things. You're just part of that cycle. Yeah. And I'm sorry for sounding really cryptic. It's very difficult to talk about it without trying uh, to be, yes, (laughs) trying to uphold my, my vow of confidentiality, which is a very important part of the counseling social work field. Yes. And for myself, it got to the point of, I'm just in this cycle on top of um, a huge life altering event, which I think I will talk about more in an upcoming episode sure. down the line. I think this leads into, um, I wanted to bring up, so as we kind of wrap up this discussion on life change and burnout and stress, I read the most amazing book right at the pinnacle of my burnout, right when I was making all of these decisions. Um, and I, we will include the um, information for this book in the episode notes so you guys can find it and read it for yourselves if you would like. Um, but the book is called Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle. And it's written by two sisters, one sister is uh, has her doctorate in she's a psychiatrist or psychologist. So sorry, I don't I was not prepared apparently. Um, and then the other sister is actually an orchestra director, like conductor. Super interesting. Um, and their names are Emily and Amelia Nagoski. Again, the book's called Burnout: The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle, and they define burnout as it's emotional exhaustion and it's defined by three components. So you've got the emotional exhaustion, the fatigue that comes from caring too much for too long. The second like component is depersonalization. So that's the depletion of empathy, caring, and compassion. It's like you just, just to have no more to give. (laughs) And then the third is decreased sense of accomplishment. So an un- unconquerable sense of futility feeling that nothing you do makes any difference and that is how they define burnout um it's an amazing book it's written so well there's so they have so many little like pop culture movies and shows to like <laughs> like make uh explanations and um make it more understandable and more relatable relatable is the word I was looking for it's as and it's a pretty fast read and they have some you know and they talk about different studies that have been done on how stress impacts your health and how you know studied ways to um relieve stress and prevent burnout from happening or recover from it if you're in the midst of burnout like I was Mm -hmm. so it's fantastic which then leads me into April what are some quick things that you can quickly tell our listeners what do you do now to de-stress um get through your your day or week or whatever I'm going to talk in the pre-pandemic sense. Oh, yes. um, (laughs) That changes things, doesn't it? (laughs) That changed everything. What I got really good at for a little while was I would go to the gym almost every single day, focused on cardio, some strength training, and it really helped to boost my mood. Yeah. Um, Things to do at home, even if it's just 
cleaning, doing the dishes, it makes me feel like, okay, I've accomplished putting away a plate. Good for me. (laughs) On top of that, I really love uh, taking baths with bath fizzies, have a glass of rosé if I have some rosé. I love listening to podcasts like one of my favorites is H3H3 Productions. I've, I've actually been following them since I moved up to Canada and they helped process everything. If it, even if it was a silly video they would make or something. Um, That's awesome. I love... I do love to read books when I have time to read books. I know now you're in school. school. (laughs) Um, And I do love playing video games. Currently I'm playing Nino Kuni 2 on the PS4, as well as playing games with my husband via Steam. Yay. Yay. Yeah, I have a lot of similar things. I also love taking baths. There's just something so relaxing and like luxurious because it, you have to take the time to do that. Like that's not, it's not just like jumping in the shower. Like I love a nice hot shower as well. Um, But I love soaking in my tub with some bubble bath. And I sometimes will either put a podcast on while in the bath mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or just some like really relaxing music. Um, now that it's spring, I also love to go outside. That's something that I've really in the last couple of years have been trying to include in my self-care is time outside yes. and time outside disconnected. So I try not to you know, be on my phone too much, or even, you know, I try to just go outside just to be outside or Mm -hmm. read a book um, or journal outside and just listen to the sounds of nature and the cars on the the street (laughs) nearby, you know, and just trying to be present in the moment, enjoying the trees and the plants. And the other thing I'm going to try to do more of is to go to the local park that's just down the street and go on walks there. They have some really gorgeous little different gardens within the park uh, that I like to um, just walk around. And and it's it's more of a, a nature experience to me than just like walking around in my neighborhood, because that's more like the purpose of walking around my neighborhood is more for cardio and exercise. And like going to the park is more of a, a an experience for me. So I mm-hmm. enjoy that. And then um, I'm very open with the fact that I uh, do my own counseling and talk to a counselor. I think that's been very helpful, especially during my current life transition, just to help have someone to process through uh, what I'm experiencing. And like, yeah, having my own counselor to do my own healing and processing will make me therefore a better counselor Mm -hmm. down the road as well. And yeah, just giving myself permission to take time to rest and recharge. And one big thing was that, you know, I left my full-time job. So now I'm working a part-time job where it's very flexible. I'm able to work in the afternoon. So I have mornings free to just kind of do whatever I can do my homework. I can do my housework, whatever I need to do to make me feel like I am whole, I guess, in a sense that I'm not burning myself out. Yes. Um, Yeah. So those are just some little things that I do. And I think we'll probably talk a lot more about (laughs) self-care. 
<laughs> in future episodes. So those are just some some little things that we like to do to get through our day. And before we go, uh, this will be uploaded the day after Mother's Day. So thank you to all the mothers out there. Yes. We appreciate all the work that you do and the love that you give. It does not go unnoticed. Please know. <laughs> You're admired. <laughs> April you and I admired. are not mothers. So mm-hmm. we admire all the mothers out there. Both of our, we're, we love both of our moms. We're, mm-hmm. I think, very blessed to have hardworking moms that took very good care of us and, and put up so with shout that out shit. to my mom. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and since we touched on some mental health issues, we did want to just take it the time here at the end. Um, I'll mention this book again, the burnout book by the Nagoski sisters in the episode description. So you can read it for yourself. They have some really great tips and tricks in there. And it's just a fun read. Um, And then also, you know, we're very, we're going to be very open with you about our own mental health and our own journey. So we want to just make sure that you listeners have the resources you need in case you need someone to talk to about your mental health. And so here in the United States, two good resources is NAMI, National Alliance on Mental Health. So their website is NAMI, N-A-M-I.org. And You can find local support groups, resources on their website. And then also, if you're just really wanting to find your own counselor in your area, go to psychologytoday.com and type in your city or zip code, and you'll get a nice list of different mental health providers there. And also with the pandemic, it's really created this amazing telehealth a situation where um, most therapists are doing telehealth sessions. I actually see a therapist that lives on the opposite side of the state for me. And so that really opened up a lot of doors for me to have more options Mm -hmm. to find someone that would really work for me. I think that's the other thing I want to tell people is if it, if the first one you try isn't quite the right fit, Don't be afraid to say something and try someone else. They're not going to be offended. They want you to have the right counselor um, because they want you to meet your goals and do that. So please do your research, find someone that really sounds like someone that you would connect well with. And I think psychologytoday.com is a great place to at least start your search. Agreed. Um, Up in Canada, especially since the pandemic started over a year ago, um, psychologytoday.com on top of, I used better help for a little bit and I was in a similar situation where, yeah, my first counselor on there was great, but my second counselor uh, was really the better fit for me. They are trying to be flexible in their prices because they know that, you know, everyone was severely impacted financially by this whole pandemic. So there's better help. Telehealth is another great option, especially for those who need to meet virtually. This process of virtual meetings is still fairly new. So for counselors anyway, so be open-minded as you, if you choose to focus on your mental health in Canada, that's as far as I know about the mental health 
and the outreach. I know there's still supportive groups and stuff in the area that you live in, um, especially in the area that I'm in. Best of luck in your search for better mental health and well-being. <laughs> yes. Thank you all so much. And we will see you all next week. Bye. Bye.